You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present Salvation is from the Jews with Roy Shulman. And welcome to Salvation is from the Jews. I'm very happy to be back this week to talk uh, about the theme of the show, which is, of course, the role of Judaism in salvation history, the mysterious role of Judaism in salvation history in between the first and second coming of Christ, the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, and in general, to celebrate the connection between Judaism and the Catholic Church. Now, uh, you may remember, if you were with us last week, I gave my witness testimony. I, myself, am a Jew who incredibly gratefully entered the Catholic Church and found everything I ever hoped uh, could possibly exist between God and man, which I had not found in my life until I entered the Catholic Church or until I came across and came into a personal relationship with Jesus and eventually entered the sacraments. And um, I spoke about my witness testimony last week, and I also spoke about the role of Judaism in between the creation of man and the incarnation and the first coming of Christ. And very briefly to recap, I pointed out that from the very beginning of the history of man, from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Israel, when man fell, God at that very moment, that at some point in the future, he would not only restore man to the original state of bliss and intimacy with God, which Adam had had in the Garden of Eden and blew by sinning, but would actually raise mankind to an infinitely more exalted state by the incarnation of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity as a man at some future point in time, which if the second person of the Most Holy Trinity was going to incarnate as a man at some point in time, it would, of course, be among a particular people in a particular place in the world um, um, at a particular point in time, and that people would have to be prepared. They would have to be separated out from all the other people on the earth, taught about the one true, uncreated creator God, taught about the fall of man, the need for redemption, the seriousness of sin, the need for a coming Redeemer. They would have to be given enough divine revelation to recognize the Redeemer when he came, the Messiah. They would have to be given enough of a foundation in theology to make sense happening and to spread that new religion to the four corners of the earth when the Messiah came, when the Redeemer came. They would also, of course, when they were separated out for this role, spend the next uh, 2,000 years, if one adopts the time frame in the uh, Old Testament itself, they would have to spend those 2,000 years yearning for the coming of the Messiah, praying for the coming of the Messiah, sacrificing for the coming of the Messiah, with their whole heart and soul and will focused on this ultimate act of God, God's act towards mankind, which would be to send the Messiah. That's what the Jewish people were chosen for. That's the role they were given. That's the role that they fulfilled. So if there is a characteristic Jewish spiritual nature, it would logically be an unparalleled hunger and thirst for the Messiah. Um, so I'm saying all of that by way of introduction to say that it seems to me quite logical to say that although everybody on earth needs Jesus to be happy, if there were any particular characteristics that made one people more than another people particularly tuned to this hunger and thirst for Jesus, it'd be the Jewish people. I know I felt that way when I entered the Church, and we have the great uh, gift and privilege today to have on the air with me another 
uh, more recent Jewish entrant to the church. Um, I came into the church from what was called conservative Judaism, which was a kind of middle-of-the-road level of um, Jewish observance growing up. The, our guest today uh, came from Orthodox Judaism, a much more uh, serious and all-consuming kind of life within Judaism. And she also found, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think that as she tells her story, we will see that she also found far more than she ever hoped for could exist in a relationship between God and man in the Catholic Church, in a personal relationship with Jesus, and in the sacraments of the Church. So with that, by way of introduction, I think uh, you're on the air, Marie, uh, is that right? Yes, Roy. That's, uh, good and, to be here. and so I, I hope I wasn't too long-winded with that introduction, but oh, no, uh, no. perhaps you could just launch in and let us know what a nice Jewish girl like you is doing in the heart of the Catholic Church. Uh, well, when God calls, you have to answer. <laughs> and uh, uh, you might not answer right away, but um, the more he calls, the more you know that that's what you have to do. And um, and I, I, I'm a bit sad that I waited so long, but um, I'm here with him, and he's with me, and there's nothing that, that is better. Like you said, that it's, it's just unfathomable, the, the type of relationship that can be had in the sacraments. That type of intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ is all-consuming, and um, it, it gives more than just meaning to life. It is life. Amen. Now, I wouldn't worry too much or be too concerned about a year or two or three or even four or five that you might have spent, um, you know, uh, on your way into the Church, because I will point out that this wonderful relationship that you have with Jesus uh, is actually going to last for all eternity, and in the light of eternity, that's really, really small beer. Yes, amen. Those two or three years. Could you perhaps uh, share with our audience a little bit um, what basically what Orthodox Judaism was like for you, how seriously you took God, how much time and energy and effort and commitment you spent into in uh, pursuing Him in the Jewish context where you at the time thought He could be found best. Oh, well, um, Orthodox Judaism, as you mentioned before, uh, is, is more tied to the law. The, the commandments, the 613 mitzvot, are well, we try to keep them as as carefully as possible, and uh, with that comes a very close knit community. Part of the restrictions we can't uh, uh, ride in a car, for instance, on the Sabbath. So we generally live in a close neighborhood, and um, uh, people know each other, and uh, that would make things a little problematic if someone wanted to do something outside the pale. Where I was going with that, Marie, was um, just. Just I wanted our listeners to get a feel for the level of commitment involved, what it meant in terms of a daily prayer life, what it meant in terms of how you spent Sabbath and the festivals, what it meant in terms of where you could eat and what you could eat, and and just just the tremendous commitment, religious practice that was entailed by Orthodox Judaism. Well, you basically touched it right there. It, it involves every aspect of your life. The, the prayers are several times a day what you can eat, what you can't eat, uh, uh, your social connections, um, your your life is pretty well directed by uh, by uh, the uh, the dictates of, of your religion, your community. 
And I was comfortable with that. I, Judaism is a beautiful religion, and it's, uh, and it's fulfillment in Catholicism even better. Okay. And uh, I, I was not searching for something different. I, I was not dissatisfied with Judaism. But, so what happened? Um, going back a few years ago, um, well, actually, to backtrack a little more, I, I was always attracted to the Catholic Church, and I thought that it was, um, I'm a historian and a medievalist, so I thought, well, that was the attraction there. That's, you know, that's the connection. But uh, here I was, a Jewish girl, going to college, I I majored in church history. I studied the church fathers. This was a very unusual thing for a Jewish girl to be doing. But I I was attracted to that. Again, I thought that was academic. I thought I liked the discipline. I liked that field of history. You know, little did I know, I know now that there was a, a much greater draw. But all along, growing up and keeping the commandments and feeling connected, I there was never a point that I didn't believe in God. I felt close to God and felt happy with with uh, with the commandments. Um, but there was a certain sadness in the sense of um, not knowing how sin is taken care of. Now, we have the uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that's, that's the High Holidays, and there's the cleansing of sin and repentance at that time, but it's very amorphous. There isn't this, um, it's not a sacramental system, certainly. And I always found myself longing for the idea of to be able to hear those words, your sins are absolved, go in peace. And hmm. um, there's, there's only one place that you get that. <laughs> well, well, what happened uh, in this Jewish life that uh, that precipitated your uh, entry into the Catholic Church? Um, I well, was... I think that uh, before we went on the air, you told me a story about something that happened once. Took us. Yeah, that that was a pivotal a pivotal time, but um, I mean a, a pivotal moment. Um, but just before I I launch into that, just to say in terms of of, of um, the confession and repentance um, before the high holiday period. There, there is there's a series of penitential prayers that Jews do, and the Jews of, of my particular uh, strain have a whole month that we do that. And so much of it is very ha- has very Christological bent to it. It it talks about the bearing of sin, God bearing our sin, and how He absolves our sins, and it's it's just very striking in in terms of the Christology, and that that always hit me very much, and that that led me to get in touch with you at at one point. I didn't even go into that with you about why, but but that was what was gnawing at me was here as a Jew, and yet seeing something there in in Catholicism with the the remission of sins that, that I was very attracted to that. But the pivotal episode. Um, this was already a, a year after you and I had met, and we had been in contact quite a few times. And um, uh, before that Sukkot experience, there were a, a lot of emails we had between each other. And um, I had told you when we first met that, um, you know, I'm 
I believe all that's in the Catholic Church, and I really believe it is the completion of, of Judaism. Um, but, you know, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I live in an Orthodox community. What am I going to do about this? And I also wondered about, we talk about in uh, St. Paul and the Romans, that oh, all Israel will be saved after the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Um, and you pointed out to me that I was not one of the Jews who had a veil over my eyes anymore, so I couldn't count myself as having, you know, being the part of the of the Jews who would wait for that mass conversion. But yet, I still had to be convinced. Um, not convinced of the truth, but convinced at the time that I was supposed to enter this church. And there were... Uh, we can, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I just would really love if our listeners could hear what happened to you. That's Sukkos. That's Sukkos? Okay, because I just wanted to point out a couple of things leading to that that, uh, that episode. But, but, all right. Um, it was Sukkot, and, um, which is a Jewish uh, festival, and it's uh, part of its reminder of the, the Jews wandering in the wilderness with the tent. And we had finished our our, uh, our holiday lunch, and um, something just just pushed me that I needed to go out. And I didn't know where, I didn't know what. I just my feet were leading me, and um, so I went out and I just let my feet direct me. And uh, after walking for a couple of miles, uh, I ended up in front of a magnificent church a Catholic church, a shrine, as a matter of fact. And um, that's that's where I was told to stop. And uh, I, I went inside, and this, this was, uh, as I said, a very pivotal experience in, in my whole uh, conversion process. When, when I went into that church, the spiritual and physical beauty, and I'm getting teary-eyed as I think of this, it, it just hit me so strongly. Um, there are many Orthodox Jews that have the custom of to say a few words from the Psalms when they enter the synagogue. And um, those, those words are, I, through your abundant kindness, will enter your house. I will prostrate myself toward your holy sanctuary in awe of you. Now, I, I said those words for many years, but this was the first time I felt them, and, and I felt them in such a way I was completely animated by those words, and just drawn to kneel by the tabernacle, and, and I felt an unparalleled peace, and um, I, I, I just basked in that, in that peace. And as I gazed up towards the lattice work there, uh, it happened to be in the shape of the Magain David, the Jewish stars across the top, which sort of made me feel like, okay, you have a, it's all right that you're you're here. You didn't do, you know, you didn't do anything wrong by bowing down here. This is God's place, and this is where He wants you to be. And um, I I never left that church in terms of. I frequented it as much as I could, masses as much as I could, and um, it, it, you know, it. it, it <laughs> I'm I'm just overwhelmed that 
that finally, from that point until now, that now I'm able to, to actually uh, be fully united with he who called me into his house. Excuse me? How did it, what did it feel like for you when you were present at a Mass in those days? Um, well, the first time that I, I saw the Mass there, um, I, I knew then and there, and I had already believed, I, I would say, everything in creed, but I, it, it, I could see the, the, <laughs> with the consecration of the gift, I was just, you know, my, completely absorbed in it, and yet not completely absorbed in it because I couldn't partake. But I knew what was there. I knew what was happening. And, um, you know, it, there were family things and community things and whatever that had held me back until the time that I could be fully part of that. But... Um, Seeing, seeing the mass, it's, uh, I, I can't begin to explain it. I, it uh, anybody who goes to a mass, listen to the words, listen to the consecration, look and watch and feel, because he's there. And if you are fortunate enough to be of the Catholic faith, definitely partake, partake as much as you can. This, this is our gift. And, and what about the Blessed Virgin Mary? When did I'm not hearing you so well here, but I heard the Blessed Virgin Mary. She she had been with me all along. Um, after um, after that that first uh, experience that I related, uh, and it took me a while to come into the church, but she was there with me, and there were many things that they would be, I could go on and on and on, but um, I, I study scripture daily, and everything that I was looking at was with Mary and Jesus. The words were just popping out, and beyond the standard typology, it was just so, so full of those things, and yet still, I didn't know how am I going to to proceed? How am I going to proceed and enter the church under my circumstances? And it was on the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary that I was contacted from a, a, a priest from the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary and uh, asked to meet with me. And, um, you know, that's Mary's hand. And, uh, and he suggested I pick a date for baptism. And and I did. And, uh, so I, 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 yeah. uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but having heard a couple of them, I would love it if you would tell one or two of the little miracle stories where God just kind of popped up and showed his presence and his activity in your journey uh, during this time. Yeah, there's so many of them. I'll try to give you a couple. Um, let's see. Uh, we had many times where there were communications between you and I, and uh, one of them was an email I was sending to you and uh, over some questions of the faith, and uh, as I'm typing along, crosses started to appear on the screen. Just 
dancing across the screen, and I, I couldn't get out of that that mode. It was just crosses, crosses, crosses. Eventually, I I got in touch with you and explained that to you, and you thought, oh, look, you know, what a, a great uh, coincidence, so to speak. That was just one little item. There were many things like that, and, and I would just tell myself, well, that, that was, if it was a connection with Roy, maybe it was just telling me Roy did what he was supposed to do in his faith walk. That doesn't necessarily mean that I have to do that or do that mm-hmm. just yet. Um, what about the um, the bus that got lost yeah, or something along correct. those lines? Yeah, I had to, um, uh, I, I lived in very dense Jewish community, and our work was there, and our family was there, and our community was there. It didn't really even venture out so much. It was almost like ghetto-like. Um, but I had to to uh, go somewhere, was on a bus, and there was a detour for the bus that was new, and the driver wasn't sure about it. And it turns out that this bus had to, to go circular about three or four times in front of Guess where? That shrine church. And so constantly it was right in my face, right in my face, right in my face. Um, now, this was before I ended up at the shrine. I didn't even know where that that intersection was. It was nowhere near where I lived. But this was, I was being called there already at that time. On, on top of that, uh, it turns out my, my daughter, teenager at the time, had a job not far from there, and uh, she would pass by there, and uh, a a nun would come on the bus at the time that she went and very often give her prayer cards. My daughter didn't want to throw them away, but uh, so she didn't know what to do with them, so she brought them home to me because uh, she knows I like uh, religious matter, and I study Christianity, and I work on uh, church curricula and whatever, so she would bring me these cards on time. And one day I'm on the bus with her, and we went in that area again. And she says, "Oh, Ma, look, you know that's that's the place where I got the cards." And that was also the shrine. So, um, yeah, they, these are things you you uh, you're you're drawn in, and uh, you know you you have to you have to answer at some point. A sign shall be given. Virgin will conceive a human baby bearing undiminished deity. The glory of the nation, a light for all to see, and hope for all. Emmanuel, our God is with us, and if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us, Emmanuel.
for all who live in the shadow of death. A glorious light has Now return to Salvation is from the Jews with Roy Shulman. Hi, I'm back. I apologize for any technical difficulties that there were there, but I'm delighted to be talking with my uh, acquaintance and friend, Marie, who is another Jew who very gratefully recently entered the Catholic Church, a bit more recently than I. And uh, I was about to ask her whether she would share with us her experience of the sacraments now that she is fully able to partake of them. The idea of partaking of the sacraments, well, first of all, being that I'm not a cradle Catholic, so I was baptized and confirmed, fully aware of what was going on, and uh, and feeling the Holy Spirit being put upon me. And, um, I, you know, I, I it, it's still reverberate with me, the, the baptism, the confirmation, and then, of course, continuing those graces in the Eucharist and the action. What's, like, what's it like for um, you when you go to Mass and are finally able to receive communion now? Well, it's, it's an overwhelming sensation that I, I can't really explain it. Um, it, it completely absorbs you depending also on the degree. I mean, he's coming into us, and we are with him. We're, 
we're in the body of Christ have to to um, I mean, listening to the words, looking at the consecration, feeling it from from the moment that the Eucharistic part of the the celebration begins. Um, my body starts to shake, and um, just the idea of what's happening there, and that I can partake in that, and um, it's it's new each time. It's 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 that powerful each time, and um, you know I pray to God that that continues. The um, I the the Blessed Mother. It says she is the the storehouse of the graces that lead us her divine son and the the graces that flow out of that communion so i pray to her to please continue to, to let me feel that and that i should be worthy of that and and i encourage everyone uh not everyone can be a daily communicant i understand there are you know work and family responsibilities and all kinds of things but there are masses all over everywhere you can look at uh masstimes.org, and it'll give you all the masses in your city, and you should take them down, keep them in your pocket, and if you're able to get to a mass, get to it, because there's nothing better. That's, that's life itself. That's, that's life here. That's life in the hereafter. That's, it, it's everything. And, and you'll be able to experience again your baptism. In the, in the Orthodox Church, they talk about the, the second baptism they call, uh, uh, confession. And, uh, and the Eucharist is again receiving, you know, the Holy Spirit. And, um, uh, if you're, if you're able, go, go. Not, not just you're able, make, make yourself able and go. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Right now, we'll take a short break, and when we come back from the break, I would like to share a story of another uh, another Orthodox Jewish, Hasidic Jew, who entered the Catholic Church and share some of his reflections on what the sacrament meant to him, and also perhaps uh, speak a little bit about Jesus' relationship to the Jewish people. So with that, we'll come back at the other side of this short musical break. Eternity stepped into time So we 
what we often say is not worth being heard. When the Father's wisdom wanted to communicate His love, He spoke it in one final perfect word. You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Salvation is from the Jews with Roy Shulman. Hi, and welcome back. I'd just like to make a couple of observations about uh, Marie's story. Uh, one is, it's hard, it's probably hard for people outside of Judaism to really understand the level of commitment and the level of effort that Orthodox Jews engage in in their search for God, in their thirst for God. The way that it um, it defines finds every moment of the day in some sense, from when they get up to when they go to bed, it's more almost analogous to religious life. It, there, there are rules about what one can wear. There are rules about whose hand one can shake and cannot shake. There's certainly enough rules about what you can and cannot eat, which make it almost impossible to eat in a context other than uh, with other Orthodox Jews and so forth. And I think that my experience and Marie's experience is in part one of, I don't want to say the tragedy or the sadness of that, but, but other people, in other words, non, non-Christians and frankly non-Catholic Christians can work so hard to know God and so hard to be with God and so hard to know the truth that God wants to tell man and yet Get so little compared to what's available in the Catholic Church. We were talking today about the sacraments and about the sense of union with God, experience of union with God, which comes from the sacraments, which comes from being in a state of grace, which requires confession, which is in itself a sacrament, and which comes as the uh, source and summit of our life in receiving the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God himself as man every time we're at Mass. And it, it enables the Catholic to really, it's, it's as though everybody else in the world were scrapping over pennies when Catholics are sitting in front of these piles of solid gold coins. And it's, it's, it can be hard for the cradle Catholic to become fully conscious of how much more that they have, that they've been given unmeritedly, actually, by the gift of being born and raised a Catholic, and certainly if they follow the rules. I just want to make a little bit of a digression and mention another aspect of this, beyond and separate from the sacraments, which is simply the aspect of knowing the truth. I, I don't want to speak for Marie, but when I was growing up Jewish, I tortured myself over questions like, what's the meaning of life? What's God expect from us? How are you to make life decisions? What happens after you die, if anything happens after you die? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people, and so forth and so on? Why is there suffering in the world that there is an all-good, all-powerful God? Well, the Catholic Church, the, the, the Catholic actually gets all of these answers in the Penny Catechism. They, the answers are all there in black and white, and they're the true answers, they're the full answers. They, they knit together into a, um, into a perfectly coordinated whole, and they satisfy every longing in the human heart to know the truth and to know about the meaning of life. And again, this is only this is only in the Catholic Church where you find 
the fullness of the doctrine, the fullness of the truth is about the relationship between God and man. And that in itself is something not to be kept under a bushel, not to be uh, shy about sharing, and not to assume that others have. So with that as, as way of introduction, let me just um, spend perhaps, uh, maybe it'll be the remaining 10 or 15 minutes of the show, maybe not, uh, just talking about another Orthodox Jew, actually Hasidic Jew, who entered the Catholic Church, because his story is beautiful, because it shows Jesus' longing for the Jewish people, that they should come to know him too, and it shows, it, it, it illumines the infinite gifts of the Catholic Church through the eyes of an outsider, which is, again, a purpose of this, of this show. So I'll tell his story. His name is Charlie Rich. He was a Hasidic Jew. The Hasids are the ultra-Orthodox Jews. Uh, if you live in certain urban areas in the United States, you may be familiar with them. They tend to wear long black coats and, and fur-brimmed black hats. They live among themselves quite separately. They uh, very often, they, well, they, they don't shave, so they have full beards. They very often have long curls on their temples going down called payas and, and so forth. And Charlie Rich was one of those. He had come from Hungary. His family had moved to New York City. Uh, he was born in 1899, so we're talking about the, you know, the first third of the uh, 20th century now. He moved to New York City. He lost his faith in New York City. Without a God, and there was no meaning to life. There was no purpose to anything. Uh, he went to the public library in New York and spent about eight years reading all of the wisdom of the philosophers and so forth trying to find a meaning of life, and he could not find one. And then he fell into despair and um, decided life didn't make any sense, and he would kill himself. He tried to kill himself several times, once by hanging himself on a tree uh, in, in a park in the Bronx, but he, he uh, um, I don't want to say chickened out, but a passerby came just when he was about to do it, and he lost his nerve. Another time he tried to kill himself by taking uh, rat poison. Uh, I will bypass those stories in the interest of time, but I will say that after one of these unsuccessful attempts to kill himself, he was walking in the streets of New York City. It was a very hot summer day. This was the 1950s. Actually, probably it was, I should say, the 1930s. It was before air conditioning. The only cool places were dark churches, and just to get out of the heat, he walked into an empty Catholic church and sat down in a dark pew, he looked up at the stained glass window above him, and it was an image of Jesus still in the waters. And he looked up at it, and he said in his heart, if only it were true. And now I will switch to his own words. Before I do so, let me mention that um, what I'm reading from is his witness testimony, which appears in one of the books I wrote, which is called Honey from the Rock, 16 Jews Find the Sweetness of Christ. It is a collection of 16 Jewish to Catholic Church witness testimonies published by Ignatius Press. It's available um, from Ignatius Press or from Amazon.com or from the homepage of my website, which is salvationsfromthejews.com. And so I will, um, uh, I, I, I will read uh, his words from when he sat under that window and saw the the image of Jesus stilling the waters, and said to himself, if only it were true, quote, this is now Charlie Rich's words, all of a sudden something flashed through my mind, and I heard these words spoken in it, 
Of course it is true. Christ is God. Is God come down to make himself visible in the flesh? The words in the Gospels are true, literally true. The next thing I remember was I found myself on my knees in fervent prayer and thanksgiving. From there on, the story takes on a delicacy which can hardly be expressed in the words of earth. For it has to do with the remarkable experience that took place in my whole spiritual and intellectual makeup during the few moments I kept kneeling in thanksgiving for a favor from heaven I never thought would ever be granted me in the present life. God himself came to my rescue that day, and he himself spoke to me with his own voice, saying to me that Christ is God. Now I will just interject, and he almost immediately got up and went to try to find a priest to baptize him, and he was uh, baptized a few weeks later. Now going back to Charlie Rich's words, I have, since my baptism and First Communion, acquired a happiness which I would not exchange for anything in all the world. It has given me a peace of mind and a serenity of outlook which I did not think was possible on this earth. It would have been in vain to have been born had God not been good enough to extend me the grace to become a member of the mystical body of Christ, the Church of Rome is. Without the life Christ is, there is no life at all. It is for heaven we have been made and for no other earthly good thing. It is to heaven every good and beautiful experience points and has in view. I became a Catholic so that I may in that way be happy, not just for a few years, but forever and ever. I became a Catholic that I may in that way have the grace to one day participate in the joys of the angels and saints in the life to come. Now let me interject and say, it seems to me that everything that Charlie Rich is saying is just Catholicism 101, but it's very beautiful when one sees it uh, illumined from how brilliantly it appears from the outside, from somebody who comes into the Church from the outside, right? We are, I mean, everything on earth finds its true meaning in heaven. We were created not to live a hundred years, but to live not even a hundred million years, but to live for all eternity. Everything we do on earth has the potential for affecting that eternity, and that's where it finds its ultimate meaning. Let me go back to Charlie Rich's words now. It is not for this life alone we are Catholics, we are Catholics that by being so we may have the grace to live the life Christ himself is and which can never have a limit to it. It is for the boundlessness they are in who have left the world that we have been born. One can never come to an end of enumerating the blessings conferred on one by the grace of being a Catholic. Can the mercy of God be made more manifest than in the grace extended to us to be a member of the only true Church? It is being a Catholic that matters and not any other thing that this world has to offer, however good and beautiful it may be. The Church of Rome gives us God himself, a greater gift than God is a human being cannot hope to receive. We receive the gift God himself is when we receive Holy Communion. Again, as far as I can tell, just Catholicism 101, but if, if one takes this to heart, everything in life gets turned upside down. Going back to Charlie Rich, to become more intimately united with God than the Church enables us to be by means of the Holy Sacrament, we must take leave of this life. Amen. So I think I will, um, I will stop reading the, uh, from Charlie Rich. Maybe I'll read, uh, I keep contradicting myself, but maybe I'll read three or four more sentences. 
and then go back and uh, go back to any calls there may be. And if there are no calls, perhaps to close out the hour, uh, talking to Marie about about the things that have come to the surface in this hour. So let me just read a few more sentences from Charlie Rich. Oh, by the way, let me um, add that once Charlie Rich was baptized, he wanted to enter religious life. He was actually turned down by uh, all of the religious orders that he presented himself to, and he ended up spending his life with the, uh, at a house of Jesuits in New York City, uh, living there but not being formally admitted to the uh, congregation of the, of the Jesuits. And he spent the rest of his very long life, he, he died at the age of 99, I believe, spending 12 to 14 hours a day praying before the Blessed Sacrament exposed. Um, so but let me go back to the words of Charlie Rich. Although in the Old Testament God performed wondrous deeds, they're surpassed to an infinite degree in his making himself available to us in the Holy Eucharist. What are the marvels performed by Moses compared to those performed by the priests during the act of consecration? Once we get the grace to love Christ, it is hard to have any love in our hearts for anything else God has made, however beautiful and good it may be. We have not been put on this earth in order to get along with our fellow human beings. We have been put on it for the sole purpose of seeking the truth and to follow that truth no matter where it will lead us. We are born to be the truth seekers God wishes us to be, the truth our Lord himself said he was in the words, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Once he has received the grace to be a Catholic, the life of a convert becomes a song he will sing for the rest of his earthly days. Now, I know that this is a reflection of how I feel. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I hope you're still there, but I don't know, Marie, did it feel like a reflection of the way that you feel? Oh, certainly. This is, uh, once you, your eyes are open to what is in the Church, it's, um, like you said, it's Catholicism 101, if, if we're open to that. Um, I was just uh, interesting that you, you noted how uh, Charlie Rich did uh, try to kill himself. And um, we, we have a lot of stories of, of Jewish converts um, that were completely despondent. And, you know, that's the soul-searching and needing a connection with God that... We now now only comes in one way. Um, I guess I was fortunate in a way that I didn't have that kind of desolation, but I did not know what I was missing. Uh, I I would say, and to your credit, I, I I know you're a little bit modest about this, but you put so much time and energy and effort into being Jewish. I mean, you took your Judaism far more seriously than most Jews do, and perhaps as a result of that, God gave you more grace through the Judaism than He gives. To more casual Jews, it's that that could be possible, and I, I did feel a, a, a connection there, but um, but it's nothing like the connection that I have with him in the Eucharist that I have with him in all the sacraments. That you know, being part of the the body of Christ, you're, it, it, there's just you know there's there's nothing to compare with that. But um, and and I wonder also with these testimonies. Um, there may be more uh, uh, Jews in the Orthodox community that would like to embrace the Catholic Church but can't because of their circumstances. There's some that actually have, and we don't know about it because of the circumstances. 
That's so, right. Um, and I've, I've, some of them have secretly approached me, and I know some who are living covertly, so to speak, or still in the Orthodox community, not letting anybody know that they um, have, have come to, in some cases, believe in the full truth of the Catholic Church, and in other cases, actually entered the Catholic Church and kept it a secret. Okay. Now, I'd, I'd like to spend, like, the last three minutes um, <laughs> speaking with the words of Jesus. Now, this is from a contemporary locution, so I'm presenting it as, you know, quite possibly fictional. I will say that the locutionist, um, the spiritual director of the locutionist, uh, was for many years the spiritual director for Mother Teresa of Calcutta and her confessor, that's uh, Monsignor John S.F., who's the diocesan priest in Branson, Pennsylvania, who is also the director of this locutionist. So um, at least, you know, the locutionist is not a out-and-out plate, but the locutions that she received from Jesus and Mary about the Jewish people are very beautiful, and I think that they would be an appropriate meditation to end with. Uh, by the way, those locutions are... Uh, the website is called locutions.org. Anyway, these are the words, supposedly, of Jesus. Um, I love Israel, and I love Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, I shed my blood, redeemed the world, and rose from the dead. It is a sealed city, sealed in my blood and in my Holy Spirit. Even more than geography, I love the Jewish people. They are my people, but Jewish lips do not call out, Jesus is our Messiah. I like to hear these words from anyone's lips but I have my greatest joy when I hear those words from the lips of a Jew and from the lips of Israel. This is the deepest hope of my heart. So let me just close with those words and an encouragement and exhortation to at least pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray that the Jewish people through whom the rest of the world has received the greatest gift that God ever gave mankind, which is his son Jesus Christ, that they may return that gift to those Jewish people by praying that they, too, may know the joy of Jesus and the full intimacy with God that comes only from a sacramental relationship to the Catholic Church. So with that, I will say uh, sign off for today. I'll thank Marie for her wonderful participation today, and I hope you join me. uh, Thank you. Um, I hope you join me again next week for, uh, for Salvationist from the Jews on Radio Maria. Thank you and goodbye. 